I wish we were a tenth as good as our intro is. Honestly, do. <laughs> Assess the tone, and then we just disappoint the whole time. Welcome, everybody, to the R&R CatCast, a fan-based podcast focusing on Montana State athletics. We're two dudes named Brian from the state of Washington talking about our dear Montana State. We hope you enjoy it. Welcome back, Bobcat fans. Well, Thorny, it is good to be talking to you on this early summer's night. How are you doing, buddy? Man, I'm doing good. I got a fresh haircut, first post haircut, or post uh, whatever, quarantine haircut. Feeling good about life. Feeling a lot better. Surprising how good a haircut feels when you haven't had one in like four months. How you doing? I'm doing good. So I got a haircut two, three days ago as well. What was your experience in the barber? It was a place I'd never been before. Um, it was kind of weird. Just walked in. Everyone had masks on. Uh, the guy's like, oh, you want a haircut? I'm like, yeah. And we just didn't talk the whole time and he cut my hair. Really, my dream. I don't like to talk during haircuts, so <laughs> it's perfect. <laughs> <laughs> Not a talker. Just like, just cut my hair while I borderline doze off. And let's, let's do this thing. There you go. How about you? Well, well, mine was a little bit different. You had to make an appointment, which is... Typically normal, which I like to do because if you don't, I go to the Dan Dickow Barber Shop in Spokane, and he has like two or three of them. I Gonzaga player, right? But um, yeah, uh, now you can just walk in and be accepted. You have to you have to call ahead, and they they have to you know clean everything before you go in, clean everything as you go out, and you have to wear your mask in there. And so it's pretty uh, low key, but yeah, it felt really good not to cut my own hair, which I've been doing for the last what, three months. <laughs> and I found the hardest part for me, I don't know if you cut your own hair, Thorny, but uh, getting right behind your ears and uh, like, that's the hardest part. If I could nail that, I pretty much would continue to cut my hair by myself. Like, thing you probably don't know about me in college is probably, I, I cut my hair most of the time by myself. Oh, so we knew. Yeah. <laughs> probably why I didn't have a girlfriend either in college. So... <laughs> Anyways, as you as <laughs> if you are a long time listener to the show, you you know that Ryan and I go back, but we actually didn't really know each other in college, so that joke lands empty. So <laughs> I didn't I didn't really see very much in college, but I heard it's about true. it. You know, Thorny, before we even get into anything else, I was thinking about today. It goes without saying because you and I do this Montana State podcast, but I am just so thankful to be a Bobcat. I was just kind of reflecting on that today. I just feel lucky to have gone to MSU and um, I just have a lot of pride in our university right now. Yeah, no, I feel the same way. I mean, I had a miniature viral tweet today for wearing a newly purchased Bobcat uh, mask, COVID mask. I was rocking to work since work requires masks if you're going to be within six feet of someone. So I went like, I'm going to wear a Bobcat one and just, yeah. It's got a lot of love and attention, and it just, you know, it's because I have Bobcat spirit that I bought the thing in the first place, and yeah, I feel the same way. Just love being a Bobcat. It's a good time to be a Bobcat, as I think MSU might actually be positioned to survive the pandemic better than a lot of other institutions across the country. We've heard a little bit of rumblings from Eastern Washington having some big problems. We're not going to get into that, but uh, if, if you want to, go check it out. I'm sure there's articles in the, what was it, the Spokesman 
or whatever the paper is over the over there, but I'm sure you can find some information on that. But yeah, good time to be a Bobcat. Right on, man. Well, enough news has come out recently that Ryan and I thought we would give our fans a little bit of an episode to chew on. One of the things we're going to talk about today is Hero Sports came out with a Big Sky basically ranking of a preseason ranking for 2020. Uh, we'll we'll talk about what Sam and Brian put out there. Uh, we're going to talk about Craig Haley's top 25. And then um, we're going to give her a little bit of thought on Kevin Thompson out at Sac State. That's some big news, given that he was the 2019 Big Sky Offensive MVP. Uh, but the meat of the conversation today, what we're going to focus in on is Troy Anderson not coming back this year, redshirting. And then... If Troy Anderson's not coming back, wearing number 41. Sounds like a good episode, jam-packed. And in some ways, a lot of topics, <laughs> but yeah, we're definitely going to skim over some of them just so we can get to the the meat of it, the Troy Anderson number 41 chat, but hoping to keep this episode bite-sized for everybody here tonight. <laughs> but first, let's talk about what's in our golden koozie. Thorny, what, what do you got on tap tonight, buddy? I'm so excited to find this. You... I think you had sent me the picture of it a while ago, a month or two ago at this point. But Mac and Jack's is a brewery down in Seattle, and they make one of the better ambers that I've had. It's they're, They call it the African Amber, but you've never been able to find it in stores. It's like it's on tap all over the place, pretty much any bar in western Washington. I don't know about over in Spokane area, but it's it's all over here. For whatever reason, they never decided to bottle it or can it. I don't know if they have an agreement with the their vendors or whatever, but they did a limited release of it. I snagged it, and I'm pretty excited to be drinking the Mac and Jack's African Amber, one of my favorite ambers. It's quite tasty. Ryan, I think I had Mac and Jack's on just recently as well. Yeah, I mean, you're the one that definitely got me <laughs> searching for it. <laughs> and I ha- I tried two or three different times since this whole quarantine started. And let me tell you, I, I drank my fair share of alcohol during this thing, especially when I stayed at home all day. Uh, <laughs> but I couldn't find it. It was never there. I could find other Mac and Jack's uh, offerings, but finally it was there. They only had like two left. I bought the last two, lost two six packs for like $25 for 12 beers. That's a, that's a steal. But uh, yeah, it's worth it. <laughs> I don't think you know this, but once you tweeted me a little picture of that the other day, uh, I ended up going to the grocery store thereafter and got myself a six pack of that as well. Yep, <laughs> definitely top top three or four ambers. I mean, I got to put the Bozone Amber top. Um, I I still like Alaskan Amber quite a bit, and then yeah, African Amber right here by Mac and Jacks. It's good, good top three. Yeah, well, Mac and Jack just tastes different than any other amber that I've ever had. So, but so it's almost in a class by itself. But yeah, delicious. It's more None. ambery. It's more of like unfiltered too. It's just got that hazy profile to it, which is so. cool. Don't make don't say the word hazy with a beer I like because now I'm not gonna like it. I'm gonna disassociate my like for it because you <laughs> threw a hipster hazy word onto it. An hipster hazy word. Come on now, man. All right, well, let's move on. Look, what am I drinking, Ryan? I'm drinking what's called the Johnny Utah Pale Ale. And people probably know <laughs> Johnny Utah as uh, Keanu Reeves from Point Break, uh, one of the shows back in the 90s. But anyways, uh, I'm, Johnny I'm Utah. I'm screaming, uh, and I'm shooting a gun into the air over here, but you just can't see me. 
Johnny Utah is from uh, Georgetown Brewing in Seattle, Washington. Uh, they make other notable beers, Bodie's Off uh, and uh, Lucille. Um, Manny's Pale Ale, I believe, is w- another one of their beers. I might be wrong on that last one, but anyways, Johnny Utah is a great pale ale. I love the pale ales, uh, but it's the first time I've seen it in stores, not just on tap. So I picked up a six pack of that. And that's what we got in the GK right now. Nice. I like it. I like everything about it. I would like it to drink that because I do like pale ales, actually. It's one of my our crossover beers, I think, between you and me are pale ales. There you go. Yeah, I, you could get on board with that. I could. All right. Well, let's move into some news. Why don't you, where do you want to start? Let's go right into uh, the Hero Sports Big Sky preview. Yeah, getting the fun one out of the way. I like it. All right. Well, Hero Sports released their preseason rankings. As described by Sam Herger, these rankings are a prediction of what the standings will look like at the end of the season. It is the opinion of the author of this story and may differ from the order of our staff's top 25 FCS rankings. Conference schedules are taken into consideration, which I think is a key thing to look at when you come to like Montana State having a pretty tough schedule, Sacramento State having a pretty easy schedule, and so on and so forth. So top five rounded out by Hero Sports, Weber State, number one, Montana Grizzlies, number two, Bobcats, number three, Eastern Washington, number four, Sac State, number five, Fully, just your initial impressions. What are your What do you think of that top five there? Well, the more I research and kind of poke around the big sky, kind of come to terms that Weber State uh, is deserving of their their high ranks. I mean, every poll we've seen them, they've been what number two, number three, number one. Now, obviously, in the big sky, I didn't think that they would have that kind of high ranking because of just their quarterback troubles. And I think they got a quarterback today. I don't know who it is, but they, they landed a transfer. So Weber being at the top, they returned most most of their uh, team from last year. And we all know they were a quarterfinal team. So that kind of makes sense. Montana, uh, they just have some pretty explosive offensive players, notable their, their receivers with Kim and um, what's the other, the guy on the outside? Torre. Yeah, Sam- the guy that Torrey. got smashed by uh, Jacque Allen mm-hmm. <laughs> on the first offensive play. I was actually that watching the beginning of that game while I was exercising earlier today. I was like, what do I, I want to watch? I know. I'll watch the, the Cat Grizz 2019 to get myself amped up, and I made it to you pretty much where he got crunched. <laughs> Side story. Continue on. Yeah, well, and then, then Montana's been pulling some transfers uh, lately, so they've kind of been uh, bolstering the ranks over there. So I could see Montana placed a little bit above us simply because of of their offensive power. But uh, And then again, they don't have Jeff Chilton. We do. So Montana State being right behind them, I wouldn't be surprised if we leapfrog Montana and Weber State. I, I honestly, you know, if it was me, and obviously this bias, bias is coming out right now, but Montana State being number one in the big sky, I think I can confidently say that comfortably for the first time. That I think we could easily be number one in the big sky well the schedule aligns it so that if we take care of business we actually might be able to win the conference uh outright or tie for the i mean the bobcats haven't won a conference in quite a bit quite a long time but we play weber state we play eastern and we play the grizz obviously all on the road this year so if we take care of business i mean chances are we're sitting atop undefeated at the end of the regular season so i think the bobcats do have a good chance 
to take that. I could see the arguments for having the Grizz ranked above us. I was listening to a little bit of the Hero Sports podcast today on this, and Sam brought up a pretty good and interesting point that he thinks that if the Bobcats and the Grizz play right now, he thinks that the Bobcats still win just because he thinks that the Grizz, unless the Grizz still have too many question marks on the offensive and the defensive lines and the Bobcats are just a bad matchup for the Grizz, which is true. But the Grizz, the Grizz I think, actually might have a more a team better built to take on some of the other powers in the country. They just, for whatever reason, Bobcats are just a really bad matchup for them. So I could see this, the rankings in this route. But it's kind of this year I'm kind of thinking... You got Weber State, you got the Grizz, you got the Bobcats as the top tier. The second tier, then you got Eastern and Sac State, who are, yeah, Eastern's probably real close to us. Sac State's probably a little further back without Kevin Thompson. And then you just go back to that, where, what else does it matter? Like, who else is going to rise out of that crop? You're looking at Southern Utah, Northern Colorado, Idaho State, NAU, Cal Poly, Idaho, Portland State, UC Davis. I mean, do you see any of those? Challenging for the Big Sky title this year? No, but my question to you is, aside from that elite top three that you were talking about, do you, what would be your dark horse for the, for the Big Sky? It's almost a weird thing to say, but, you know, Eastern's got to be in that conversation after the disappointing year they had last year. The fact that I don't think they're going to be picked to win by anybody at conference. So, yeah, they might be a dark horse, but that's a pretty easy, safe pick. If you're going to go beyond that, I would say, would would you consider UC, UC Davis as a candidate for the dark horse? Because they have a lot of returning players, and all they need to do is find another quarterback to replace Jake Meyer. And yeah, they had a disappointing year last year as well, but I could see them rebounding and being kind of a stronger team, not relying on a quarterback so much. So they could they could have a decent year. I have not looked at their schedule, but I could see them being another candidate for the dark horse. Yep. Uh, I'm going outside that top five, top six. And so you didn't mention Eastern Washington and UC Davis. And so those don't seem to me like that fits the dark hole, the dark horse mold. I was thinking more like, like a Northern Colorado with a new coach, Ed McCaffrey. So, but who knows? But I, yeah, I don't think anybody's going to touch the top three. We were state Montana, Montana state. If you're talking like a team that could come out of nowhere, that has been historically pretty bad for a season or two or three or four. You, you can't discount the team coached by Bull Baldwin. And <laughs> Idaho is not going to be bad forever. They got Mason Petrino is no longer a um, detriment to their offense. I don't know who the quarterback is, but it, I can't imagine it being a too much worse than Mason Petrino. So Idaho and Cal Poly would probably be my two completely more dark horse typical picks of the teams that would probably be picked to finish like sixth or worse by the media. Yeah. I'm going to go with Northern Colorado. I think by the time it's all done, I think Eddie McCaffrey is going to get those guys motivated. I just, I was a big fan of Ed McCaffrey. So that's all I'm going off of on this point. But uh, yeah, I think they're going to make some strides this year. All I keep hey. thinking is the Ed McCaffrey, Jerry Glanville experiment, big sky 2.0. It's <laughs> a good point. But Jared Glanville was really old. I mean, he's still ancient, but he was stinking old when he went to Portland. But State. he had way more coaching credentials than Ed McCaffrey will ever have. It's a good point. He but coached in a Super get... Bowl, right? Or did he win a Super Bowl? Like he's, uh... he's a legit NFL coach. 
Yeah, but a lot of times those guys don't like really translate well to, uh, you know, college football. No, and vice versa. Like college football coaches don't necessarily translate well to the NFL. So, hey, a little sidebar. What did you think when Portland State hired Glanville and, and they did the total rebranding with the black forms? And <laughs> did you like that? Um, to be honest with you, I kind of did. Um, I had no problem with Portland State trying to reinvent themselves as a team that community was not interested in or cared about. So what, why not try and do a complete redo, revamp, trying to get people interested? I remember that their season tickets were like the highest season tickets sold in a long time and came out with the black uniforms, kind of cool looking. And, you know, I was I was on board. I liked it. What about you? Yeah, I loved it, man. I, you know me. I'm a huge, like, fan of... Uh, different types of uniforms, uh, alterations. I am not the person who is just like full on tradition when it comes to uniforms. So yeah, I was a big fan. All right. Do anything else you want to talk about the hero sports? Yeah, I do. Got a quick buy or sell for you. You got to just be honest with me. Buy or sell. We're going to be Eastern this year. I'll buy it. Eastern hasn't played us for a couple of years. They're not. Um, they're not going to be. They're not going to know what's coming for them under the new improved Jeff Choate Bobcats. As long as we can get after Eric Barriere, we'll be just fine right there. As long as we can run the ball seven yards to carry like we did against every team that wasn't elite defense and Eastern never has elite defense, we'll be fine. Right on, man. Um, Let's move this conversation. Let's bounce real quick. We'll just have a, a quick cup of tea with uh, the Athlon Sports Top 25. So the Bobcats landed, and I'm making sure I'm looking at the same thing you're looking at here. Number five on Craig Haley's Athlon Sports. I believe this would be Craig Haley's personal poll and not his poll he puts together for the FCS stats, which has a bunch of voting members. I believe this is basically just Craig Haley's poll. How many polls that guy got? Craig Haley was very high in the Bobcats last year, and in fact, he brags about picking the Bobcats as his dark horse last year. So you want to talk about the term dark horse, but um, I, I don't know. I'm not sure this was before or after before Trey Anderson redshirting, but uh, number five seems again, I, we don't need to talk about this very much. It seems fine. We're above the Grizz in this poll. So that makes sense to me because I think we will go on paper can beat the Grizz. And I think even if, uh, the Grizz have a better overall season than us. I, I can still see us being higher ranked at the end of the season just because we're going to win that last game. So I'm fine with it. What do you think? Yep, I like this. Uh, number three, Weber State. Um, so let's just run through the top five. We got uh, number one, North Dakota State. Number two, Northern Iowa. <laughs> They're always like a front runner, right? <laughs> Preseason front runners. <laughs> number, number three, Weber. Again, showing some love from Craig. Number four, we have James Madison. Again, five Bobcats. Six, South Dakota State. Uh, seven, the Grizz. Eight, Villanova. Nine, Illinois State. And 10, Kennesaw State. Uh, when that came out, it was a couple of weeks ago, maybe two or three weeks ago. I just I liked, I just liked the feel of this one a little bit better. Maybe just because um, flip-flop Montana State and Montana there, so... Man, if there's any veteran in the media, in the FCS, Craig Haley's as veteran as it gets. Yeah, he, that guy is salty too. I love it. <laughs> yeah, we, I think we've talked about it. He gets pretty salty on Twitter. <laughs> it's kind of funny. And this is like a, maybe a whole topic for another 
another podcast, but it's funny how cyclical football is. College football in particular. The NFL kind of gets stuck in their ways, but college football, there's defensive eras, and there's a rise of like the the run and shoot, and there's defenses to counter that, and then defenses kind of take over, and then you got the West Coast offense, and then you got, you know, everything's cyclical. Now, now you're looking at it, there's teams built to stop the spread, to stop just all of a sudden defense it's coming back big time in the FCS because you got North Dakota State, you got Northern Iowa, who has one of the elite defenses in the country, but they have an atrocious offense. Like they would probably kill for Tucker Rovick or Casey Bauman on their team. Like you think that the Bobcats had problems in the offensive, which we didn't really, but uh, Northern Iowa couldn't move the ball at, against anybody. And we were state, same scenario. And you keep going down the list, Illinois State, another team that has an extremely good defense, but a pretty dismal offense. So it's just kind of funny to see just how cyclical college football is. And and teams like even the Bobcats, who are putting a huge emphasis on defense while being very adept offensively, but defense has been the cup of tea for the Bobcats. So it's kind of interesting to see how football is has kind of been cyclical like that, returning to the run the ball first, hard-nosed, tough physical football and that's what's kind of winning championships right now it's a good point ryan another thing that i was kind of reflecting on when i was looking at this is you know even though we're bobcat fans through and through i think both of you and i can agree that having the grizz and the bobcats be you know top 10 teams in the nation in with all the momentum right now uh, bobby halk jeff choate that's just good for the state that's good for the conference it's good for football. Yeah, it pains me to say it, but it's good for FCS football if the Montana schools are top 10 teams perennially. Perennially. <laughs> Every year. Yeah. <laughs> cool, man. Well, that's all yep. I want to talk about with Haley's Athlon Sports Top 25. But uh, again, right, preseason polls mean really nothing, but it does help when uh, – you have that early starting point within the top 25 so you don't have to climb in there for playoff rankings. Real quick here, I recommend giving Craig Haley a follow on Twitter. He is at Craig Haley, H-A-L-E-Y. He puts out a ton of good FCS information, and he just gives these little succinct jabs a lot at people, at fans, at people who respond to his polls. <laughs> it's it's entertaining. He's very, very short. And I I love it. It's just good stuff. <laughs> I would love to sit next to Craig, like in a presser, to see his demeanor. I bet he. I just imagine him like just kind of pissed off all the time, just like, jeez. I don't guys. think so, man. I've listened to uh, he's he's a, he's a podcast guest on several podcasts. In fact, we could, we should probably get him on. But he's always pretty jovial when he goes on like two tall nuances and stuff. But <laughs> he is a salty Twitter follow. Yeah, we'll get him on. All right. Well. One last piece of news, I think. We only have one. Do we cover them all? I'm going through so many different tabs on my browser. I don't know where we are. Yeah, we got one left. You want to introduce this bad boy? Yeah, so Kevin Thompson, Big Sky MVP last year, entered the uh, transfer portal just this week. And uh, with a whole bunch of kind of you know thoughts around that, one being going to the FBS. Uh, again, he's if you don't know, he's transferring out of Sac State. And Kevin Thompson, right, is a seventh-year college football player. And we'll get into a little bit of his history um, here uh, just now. But uh, 
Thorny, what what just stood out to you about this? It's big time. Like has like the big sky reigning offensive or defensive MVP ever transferred? I guess Vernon Adams may have been. I guess Dakota Prukop may have been. So I don't know if Dakota Prukop was ever the big sky MVP, but he was certainly in a, in the contention for it. So but it, regardless, it is a big time, probably as about as big as news as FCF transfers go. It doesn't have like the same media hoopla that Vernon Adams, Dakota, Prukop garnered because they got like attention by Oregon and this thing's like steamrolled for them. They got on ESPN talking about like the next transfer. I'm not sure Kevin Thompson's going to get that kind of love, but for in the FCS world, it's it's a huge, it's a huge development. Yeah. Outside, outside Dalton Sneed, I thought Kevin Thompson was the best quarterback. Big Sky. And, and of course he got the Big Sky MVP. So I mean, he got the he got the award, but I thought Dalton Sneed was a better quarterback. Uh, For my Thorny, money, just, I would actually pick Kevin Thompson just because he took better care of the football. Yeah, he was like he was more of that true dual threat quarterback, but had a great arm. He just seemed like he was just savvy too. Like, like he started football in 2014. Do you know the first team he played for? That would be the UNLV running Rebels under current Montana Grizzly head coach, Bobby Houck. <laughs> and do you think perhaps he might be considering the Grizz? I can't imagine that that conversation hasn't been had between certain parties. And Ryan, clear, clear this for us. Would he have to sit out? I don't believe so. So he is, he's got his grad degree, or he's got his undergrad degree. I believe he is also graduated grad college at this point i have no idea i don't know what he's gonna even do uh as a seventh year senior when he goes to college anywhere else but uh i'm pretty sure he is free and clear to transfer anywhere within the conference within the fcs transfer up transfer down transfer laterally with no penalty sitting out a year so what do you think about that him jumping ship from sac state let's say he does land in missoula what what are your feelings on that well, my number one feeling is the Grizz are pretty much a go from like bubble fringe semifinal, maybe have an outside shot at the national championship. But that puts them in the in the in the contention because, like I just mentioned, I think Kevin Thompson was a better quarterback than Dalton Sneed. Dalton Sneed may have been the better like gamer, just the guy who just gets in the zone, and when he's in the zone, he's unstoppable. But Sneed also made a ton of mistakes and. What he threw five or was it four or five interceptions in the Weber State game? I just don't see Kevin Thompson throwing four or five interceptions ever in his career. So I think that would be an amazing get for the Grizz if that were to happen. I I wonder why he's transferring. The only thing that can that makes sense to me is the fact that he thinks that there isn't going to be college football played in California, and maybe he could get another hardship waiver for another year, but the dude's done, man. He's done with school. So if he thinks there's any <laughs> inclination that they aren't going to play football this year, he's got to, he's got to get out. He's done being a college student. So he's got one year. He's going to go find somewhere where he can play right now with no questions surrounding the circumstances of the season. That's the only thing that makes sense to me. So what are your thoughts if he lands in Missoula? Man, this just rubs me the wrong way. And it I just goes it back. It just goes back to like what I believe to be true as a human being, and like things that my father instilled in me as a young man. You finish what you start. You commit, and you see it through. And to me, this transfer portal 
Eh, I mean, I'm not going to go down the rabbit hole of the transfer portal because it doesn't really matter what I think. But Kevin Thompson, Troy Taylor, they had a good thing going in Sac State. And like like you said, maybe Sac State doesn't get to play football this year. So the writing's on the wall and he has this miraculous seventh year of eligibility. Okay, that, that makes sense. <laughs> What's if, that? If he would grant another year, it would be his eighth, wouldn't it? No, this is his, this will be his seventh year. I know, but I'm saying if he was somehow stayed at SAC, they didn't play football, and he was granted another year, it would be next year, which would be his eighth. Okay. Right. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, go on. He's taking oh. he's taking the reins from the the, the, the case cookuses of the conference. All I'm saying is, there's just something inherently that bugs me about this, and it has nothing to do with him. Maybe going to Missoula. I mean, that's secondary on the list. Like, okay, cool. Like, okay, let's reconnect with Bobby Houck. I could see that relationship and I could see that, that movement from a, the big, to have the big sky MVP, MVP move within the conference. That just rubs me wrong regardless. But like, I kind of question the integrity of Thompson. And I don't even know this kid, you know? And so like have a little bit of, pause be, even before saying that but like to to just go and transfer out of uh a program that you had on the rise imagine if you're elijah dotson right now and be like dude what you just bailing on us you know if if you're troy taylor going hey i thought we were good man you know we had this thing going you, you bailing on us right now or you just want to go so i just I go back to what my father would say to me. He, and my dad passed away just this year. Um, but his his tenants that he lived by and his 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 advice that he that just like, you know, the way he lived and the way I observed my father, it would just he would just say, you know, finish what you start, commit, you know, whether it's hard, doesn't matter, get through it, do your job, you know, do the best of where you're at. And when you do your best, you can never hang your head. And that's what my dad would say to me. And, and I just don't see that the optics of this from an outsider just screams to me, just like jumping ship. So and, until I get more news on this, like that's how I feel. That's my initial reaction to it. I'm sure the layers of this is much deeper than what you and I are afforded, but it just rubs me wrong. To me, you can't be upset at a guy transferring when your team that you root for, the Bobcats, have been so benefited so much from other people's quitting on their former teams. Like, for example, how would you feel if Kevin Thompson announced his transfer to Bozeman? Would you be like, we don't want that kid. Get out of here. Is that how you feel about <laughs> the best quarterback and the biggest guy want to be a Bobcat? Well, obviously, it would feel a little bit different, but the— I would still go back to it. I mean, it still rubs me the wrong way a little bit. I think Kevin Thompson should grind it out at Sac State and just, you know, complete his task there. Whether or not that's, uh, I don't, whether or not that's the best thing for Kevin Thompson or not is, like, I'm, I'm kind of just throwing that out the window. But it's just too easy to get into the transfer portal right now, man. It's. That just bugs me inherently. So I just, I don't know, man. It's just something that about Kevin Thompson just getting out again and having seven years of eligibility. <sighs> no, man, I, I don't like it at all. Well, as a grad transfer, I'm not even sure he would even 
before I think this would have been before the transfer portal, he would have been able to transfer regardless because he, he got his degree. He, he has fulfilled his duty in every single way to the University of Sacramento State. <laughs> I mean, this is just weird talking about too, because like how many college players have had seven years of eligibility? <laughs> Not many, man. That's got to be, I can't think of any other big sky player in recent memory. I know we got plenty of six year guys. Um, but yeah, f- seven. And it's it's going to be even weirder now because the redshirt rules allow you to play for four games. So you'll have a guy who's a six year senior who was granted maybe a year or two, but he also played a lot during his redshirt season. So it's going to be real weird. But uh, I don't know, man. I, I get what you're saying and I don't disagree with it. That's just life. And that's just, that's just, that is college football and we benefit, benefit from it more just as much as we uh, lose from it as an institution, as an athletic program. So I can't be upset with guys transfer because we benefit from transfers into MSU all the time, like Jacque Allen and Bryce Sterk. I mean, there's, the list goes on and on. <laughs> so let, let me ask you this. I'm going to play a little devil's advocate with you. What if Denarius McGee was to transfer out his senior season and play for Sac State or the Grizz or any other Big Sky team? We already had a similar situation in Dakota Prukop, and yeah, it broke my heart. Not going to lie. It made me very sad. But uh, if he would have transferred over to the Grizz, it would have sucked. <laughs> it would have been all, the most awful thing to happen as a Bobcat fan I can possibly think of. So, Would uh, you continue to say, I can't fault the guy for wanting to do Whatever he wants. Yeah. Call your bluff on that, man. You would be sitting here just railing on him. But it is his choice. Man. Man, life is short. College football is shorter. If you're going to be stuck in a situation, I don't know. You got to do what's best for you sometimes as a college football player with, with coaches, universities who make so much money off you. Maybe not the case in Kevin Thompson, but at big universities, you're, you make potentially millions of dollars for university. If you want to go somewhere else, do it. Coach can bail on you and anytime he wants to. <laughs> this is a whole separate conversation we're going down right here. But uh, <laughs> I ultimately get what you're saying. Like in, in, in this particular case, like unfinished business, I would totally myself be back to trying to like, all right, we, we fell short. We made the playoffs for the first time. And I want, I, I never got the answer to this. It may be the program's history, but it's, it's if if not a long, long time, you got to get back. You got to finish it, man. You got to like, you got to have that desire to want to take it to the next level. We made it to the playoffs. We didn't go the way we want. Why not try and make it further? I have so much respect for college teams, basketball, NCAA basketball teams, when the they have like fall short just of their championship bid and the team decides to come back for going like NFL or NBA prospects to try and, having to run a championship. I love that kind of stuff. I do. But I, I will never fault a kid. That doesn't mean I'm not going to be like personally upset or f- offended or whatever. But ultimately, man, you got to do what's best for you in life. <laughs> yeah, well, I think you and I are going to disagree on this. And uh, I guess the only thing I'm going to say is everywhere, FBS, FCS, Big Sky, you know, they're looking out. Thompson's out there right now and no doubt he's having conversations I get I bet he is having conversations with the Grizz if he lands in Missoula I'd be disappointed I'd be disappointed in Kevin Thompson for not sticking out at Sac State and um, it just seems like just kind of a cheap way to go about your college career so that's that I find that very I find that insulting yeah well it might be man but uh, 
that's just how I feel. But uh, I can see you and I are not going to come to terms on this. So let's. Uh, how do you feel just, uh, about Troy Anderson redshirting? <laughs> I think we're done with the non uh, Montana State chat here. We've been going for like thirty five minutes. We haven't even started yet. So remember that time that we said this would be like a thirty minute episode? Ha. <laughs> All right, yeah, so let's move into the big news that we wanted to get into. Troy Anderson redshirting for the upcoming season. Thorny, you want to you take the first take on that? Yeah, sure, I'll take the first take on that. I like it, personally. So if, if you look at the team that's coming back this year, it's going to be younger. It's not going to be an all-or-nothing kind of thing. Like, last year was kind of like the the senior-heavy studs the stars that was like that was like the make or break last year and it was it was a bummer that Troy was hurt down the stretch and he wasn't able to be a part of that to try and take us to the national championship team that that level but in some ways it was such a good thing for the Bobcats because we were able to really be a really good football team in November in December without Troy Anderson so the fact that we're going to have a lot of newcomers next year we're going to be able to build around some key guys coming back and Troy Anderson may not be in the mix. Like, I don't know how, obviously it may not be good for the team, but I, I this year, but I love the fact that it's going to give Troy a chance to fully get healthy, to spend an entire off season year, a full year, uh, red shirting in the weight room training and just coming back in 2021 as like the most dominant player in the big sky conference. I personally am a pretty big fan of the move, and I'm I'm happy for Troy. I think it's the best thing for Troy Anderson. What's your uh, What's your take? I'm really happy for Troy too. I think that's the the very first thing that comes to my mind is this is the best thing for him. Um, we could all see it as Montana State fans. Troy was continually playing hurt, and as much as we love Troy, like we want him to be the best version of himself. And that's going to require some rest. And if you listen to Jeff Choate uh, and him talk about what Troy went through the offseason during the onset of the COVID, trying to get surgery to get um, a lingering issue um, you know, healed up, it's, he went through a lot. And it just seems like you know this kid just needs to have some downtime, needs to have some rest time. And if, if you rush it, Let's say if if all of a sudden like fall comes on and he's like kind of ready but kind of not ready, we're in the same position we were at the end of last season. Yeah, it just makes a lot of sense for Troy to to take that to take the season and and to fully heal. Not for just Montana State on for coming of twenty twenty one, but for Troy's future perhaps in the NFL. You know, he can't continue just to wreck his body because he plays so stinking hard and so stinking tough. That's never a question. Uh, He's definitely going to have to, you know, just get healthy in order to make the best move for him professionally. Yeah. I mean, there's no question that this movie is the best for Trey Anderson. Yeah. He needs it. He needs to heal. He needs to take some time to heal his body, to get stronger, to withstand what he's been doing the abuse he's been taking and giving like giving abuse takes a toll on your body as well. Uh, 
I mean, you just, you know, we had Jody Owens on and he kind of talked about that. He did all the hitting, but he said he played four, four years of college football, man. He said it took his toll, which is why, unfortunately, his senior year, he just kind of had some injuries and it was had ended his career sitting out the last, what, half of a game or whatever against Sam Houston State. So, I mean, things take a toll in whether you're getting hit or doing the hitting and I'm he played a lot of snaps, so I'm just happy for him as a person, as a as a young man, to be able to heal. And hopefully that will help his future prospects, wherever they may be in the NFL. And it will definitely make the 2021 Bobcats a f- absolute force to be reckoned with because we'll have, we'll have a lot of pieces coming back that year. So I think it's going to be the best for the Bobcats long-term and by far for Troy Anderson long-term. That's a good point, Ryan. So... Just a kind of a final thought on this, Thorny, is the Bobcats last year without Troy, I thought to, it was, excuse me, I'm going to rephrase it. To me, it was a little bit of a blessing in disguise. I thought they coalesced in a way that kind of proved to themselves, hey, we can do this without Troy. And not, that's not to be a detriment to Troy Anderson, but just kind of a compliment to everybody who was on the team. And I think uh, this year will be just a continuation with that. And it feels to me, when we're not talking about Troy Anderson, uh, you know, if you're a Montana State Bobcat, if you're a player on the team and you're like, okay, Troy, yeah, we're, we're going to do this for Troy, you know, Troy Anderson, this, Troy, Troy that. Be like, at one point, be like, hey, man, there's, you know, 84 other players on this team besides Troy Anderson. And I think. I hate to say it, but I'm going to say it here right now. It might be a breath of fresh air for for the other players not to hear about Troy Anderson for the season. I might be completely wrong. I mean, he's a beloved guy, but that can kind of galvanize a team when it's when it's not just about one player, when it's not just about your star, when it's about us. And I definitely know that Jeff Choate preaches that. I just had a, a connection I just made while you were talking about that that I hadn't ever really made before. Troy Anderson kind of, I'm not sure suffers is the right word I want to use here, but I'm going to use it for lack of a better word, suffers from the same kind of problem that Tim Tebow suffered from. There was always like just a media circus around Tim Tebow, no matter what he did. And it was nothing because of his personality, because of his antics. It was just, it was just what it was. Like it was Tim Tebow, the Tim Tebow show, what Tim Tebow doing. And I feel like that's kind of what, uh, Troy Anderson's kind of turned into right now for the Bobcast. His, his exploits are so legendary. There's just kind of like this media frenzy falling around no matter what he does. And I'm sure that has to weigh over the team and it's nothing Troy Anderson's done by all accounts. He's a good leader, a good, a great teammate. He doesn't necessarily want the spotlight, but the spotlight found him. And, and so, yeah, maybe it's just a good way for the team to kind of be able to focus on themselves and not just have to rule wonder what people are talking about Troy Anderson, you know, all that kind of stuff. So maybe yeah, that, that is maybe a breath of, fre- breath of fresh air as a wannabe media people like us that we're not going to have to talk about Troy Anderson next year. You <laughs> <laughs> kind of feel like you kind of have to, right? Yeah. Like right now, is there, is there any other player in MSU last 10, 20 years that we would talk about this, this extent of the red shirting, I guess maybe if like, McGee or any of the the star quarterbacks redshirted, but maybe that that'd be about it, and that'd be like a surprise redshirt. This is a good point, but uh, yeah, I'm 
Troy, Troy is a definitely transcendent player, no doubt. Uh, so he deserves every accolade he he has gotten and will get. And so all the press totally deserve it. But uh, I can't help but think that this will be something that galvanizes the team this year. Yep, I I could totally see that. And he's going to be a great leader, you know, from that sidelines. He's going to be there coaching up. Telling people, well, what do you do here? I mean, he's going to be just the consummate teammate all year long. You know he is because that's just Troy Anderson. Though my my one question is, in terms of how the Bobcats replace their production on defense, I think we have guys who can replicate some of the things he does. We'll find some guys. Daniel Hardy comes to mind immediately as one of the guys with the athleticism to kind of do the things that he does defensively. Um, does this does this Ryan Foley? Does this mean the complete death? of the Wildcat quarterback as we know it under Jeff Choate. <laughs> I hope so. <laughs> oh, no, I take that back. I don't hope so. Because we got so unique with it in the very end when uh, Troy was out. Uh, so, no, it's not going to be. I'm pretty certain it won't be the end of the Wildcat. So the, the caveat I hear, I want to make a clear distinction here. The way the Bobcats used the Wildcat quarterback, there was very, very, very little threat that that quarterback was going to throw the ball. We're not talking about a dual quarterback who has some plus one capabilities, who's going to run the Wildcat out of, you know, more as a running back type player. I mean, I guess I'm kind of talking myself into a circle here. Matt McKay. And athletic quarterbacks like them, Eric Berrier, aren't going to do the kind of same stuff. We're talking like Wildcat quarterbacks don't really throw the ball. Who's going to do that then? Who's going to be the Bobcat player who has just enough threat that like maybe he'll throw the ball, but he probably won't. That's going to be back there doing that kind of stuff that Travis Johnson and Troy Anderson did. I have no, I have no clue. I like, just don't nobody think comes the to mind. Yeah, nobody comes to mind right now. All I'm thinking of is Isaiah Infante back there just taking the snap so if we can consider him a quarterback which probably not but yeah i don't feel like there's that uh that that person who is like he could throw the ball but probably not i mean even if like kevin castis was still on the team he could fill that role a little bit because he could throw the ball yeah and he can Better do some things in the game. Did. <laughs> yeah that's true that's true oh kevin castis threw about as many touchdowns as troy anderson did <laughs> That's actually a fun research stat. Did Kevin Castis throw more touchdown passes than Troy Anderson? I don't. I think Troy threw more. I think it was like it, five to three, though. <laughs> <laughs> All, right. All right, man. Thorny. Well, this leads us into the final question of tonight: Is who's going to wear number forty-one, vacated by Braden Conkle last year? We assumed Troy Anderson was going to assume this. What are your thoughts on this? Before we get in too far into the discussion about who should be the number 41 this next year, we should recap a little bit what that new tradition is going to be. Jeff Cho instilled this last year. He said, going forward from this season, a player, and this season being last year, a player hailing from Montana will wear jersey number 41. The first season on record for the Cats assigned the first season on record for which the Bobcats assigned jersey numbers, 1926, saw Pop Gregory from Lewistown wear number 41. Since then, such stars as Sam McCollum, 
Ron Murie, Brad Daly, and Grant Collins have all donned the number. Cho is unsure how the selection process will take place, but uh, and I haven't heard much else about it other than it's pretty much just got to be a guy from Montana. Could be offense, could be defense. Probably can't be offensive line just because of the number of restrictions for offensive linemen. But other than that, I don't know who's going to select it. If it's going to be Cho, it can be the coaches, it can be players and coaches. But regardless, it, it's up to us as uh, podcasters here to sit here and talk about who we think should get deserve number 41. Now that Trey Anderson is clearly out of the picture. You want to take a first stab at who you think should get it? Well, I got a question for you real quick. Is there any other number restrictions on the team that can't 41? As far as I know, um, I believe offensive line have to be between like like 60 and 90 or something like that, or 70 and 90. I think that's the only restrictions there's going to be anywhere on either side of the ball. That's a really weird rule. Now I'm going to go look that up shortly. I know as a uh, high school referee, I had to kind of keep an eye on these things, but uh, I was not a real good referee, so I don't remember the rule book real well. Okay, well, I'm going to give the obvious one, and I think that has to be a senior. I'm going to assume it's going to be a senior because I feel like this number 41 is going to have to travel um, from year to year. I don't think it's going to be like, okay, if you're a junior, you get to keep it two years in a row. So I'm assuming it's a senior, and so I'm going to go Chase Benson defensive tackle from Helena. Yeah, I mean, if you're looking at just seniors from Montana, Chase Benson clearly is the forefront. The only other guy looking down the list, we got Michael Jobman. Uh, how, how is Michael Jobman a senior already? That's crazy to me. Lance McCutcheon, and then there's Kyle Finch. Uh, those are really the only guys that I look, I'm looking at here who might see some significant playing time. But Chase Benson clearly is the the guy who's going to be probably have the most impact on the program, going to maybe maybe first team, you know, he may, he'll be, he's the only guy on this list who could probably going to make all conference accolades at the end of the year. So to me, unless Chase Benson is just like a terrible teammate or something, which I've heard nothing of the sort, just putting it out there. <laughs> uh, I would, you know, if you're looking at seniors, Chase Benson, I think, yeah, has, has to be the front runner for that. It'd be, you know, I mean, number 41 along the defensive line is not uncommon at all. So, yeah, I think he'd be the leading candidate. Who would be your second? I'd probably dip into the junior ranks. So then you got guys like RJ Fitzgerald, who I think would be a deserving candidate just for how tough he is. He's kind of the guy that you just think of like the Montana tough kind of guy. You got him right up there. Um, the, then you also have Callahan O'Reilly, who really came on strong as a sophomore last year. I think he's going to get a lot of playing time uh, and a lot. I think he's going to be a great player for the Bobcats, great teammate, great guy from good old Bozeman, Montana. And then on down the list, I mean, that those are really my top candidates when you're looking at the upperclassmen. Yeah, Arshay Fitzgerald, Callahan O'Reilly, and Chase Benson would be my three guys. I would have no problem with any of them getting, but I would say, yeah, Benson has to be my leading candidate of all classes. Uh, probably RJ Fitzgerald, number two. Who do you have? Well, definitely Chase Benson, but... Uh... The one that's kind of a wildcat to me is Lance McCutcheon. <laughs> Can you imagine a wide receiver wearing number 41? <laughs> I feel like the Eastern Washington had plenty of wide receivers in the 40s in the past. <laughs> I'd be interested to see the criteria Jeff Jote lays out for 41 
I think thinking back to uh, interviews I've heard in the past, um, the 41 is um, kind of internal business. And so I don't think we're going to be privy to the ins and outs of who is selected and why. I mean, we'll be, we'll definitely know obviously who is selected, but to the why, I don't know if we're going to be afforded that opportunity. No, maybe not. I'm sure Jeff Chir will come out to the press conference and talk a little bit about it, but he might not give the whole criteria. He might just give reasons why he thinks or he was selected to be the new number number 41, but uh, yeah, might not give the whole like how he got to be number 41 behind the scenes, behind the curtain type thing. But it's it's interesting to see. I, I like the idea of the tradition, so it'll be interesting to see who gets it. Well, I I bet you and I can both agree that Whoever it is this year, probably Troy's going to be it hereafter. <laughs> if you can envision in, uh, Troy Anderson in, in any number but number 15. Yeah. Which is also Tim Tebow's number, right? Was. I've- yeah. Oh, crap. Look at, look at my Tim Tebow conspiracy. Or more like correlation. Conspiracy is a very strong word for this. But <laughs> <laughs> doesn't make any sense, right. really. But yeah, just the connection. Uh, yeah. All right. Well, there you have it. There's our episode. Anything else you want to talk about? Nope. I'm good to go, buddy. All right. Well, let's get out of here. Um, stay tuned. We have an interview with Zach Minter, which will probably be released before this. So completely moot me talking about it right now. But uh, yeah, we have an interview with Zach Minter. If it hasn't released, look forward to it. If it's already been released, check it out. <laughs> uh, you can follow us on Twitter, our art catcast. We're going to eventually fire back up the golden koozie machine. You can ask us koozie questions at any time. Don't be afraid to ask them. If we're not asking for questions, if we haven't specifically asked for golden koozie questions, just shoot us a, a tweet. Email us at rrcatcast at gmail.com. Check us out on Bobcat Nation. Just fire away those golden koozie questions, and we'll incorporate it in the episode. And, and if you ask when we ask on air, we'll make sure to send you a golden koozie. Beyond that, uh, find us anywhere you listen to podcasts. Give us a like, a subscribe. Make sure you subscribe so you get the latest episodes delivered straight to your listening device before I tweet it, before I put it on Bobcat Nation. So you listen to the first thing. So as always, let's end this with a Go Cats. Go Cats. <laughs>